the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. The show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown. My two co-hosts, Mark Honf and Nam Phan, are off today, but we do have a special guest. Um, our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is miscellaneous trivia. Now, we do have a special guest on the phone, uh, Ruben Greth who is from Capital Razor Show, a podcast about raising money for family syndications. Um, Ruben, welcome to the Best of Investing. <laughs> Hello, California. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're, in, you're in Arizona. That's right. Yeah, and, and right now it is, a, it is 100 degrees here in California, and it got up to like 109 where I live a couple of days ago. Well, how hot is it where you're at? Yesterday it was 110. I don't know what it is today. Eh, that's all, but it's dry heat. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so tell, tell, us a, tell us a little bit about this. So um, Capital Razor Show, uh, it's a podcast. And it's about raising money for multifamily syndication. So uh, give us a background. What's going yes. on? Cool. So I started in little multifamily fourplexes back during the crash, uh, left real estate for a long time, came back, got involved with a uh, syndication group here in Phoenix. We were taking down 90 unit kind of properties down in Tucson. And then, so in the process of me hanging out with them, I started this show, it's called the Capital Raising Show, which is all about raising money for large-scale multifamily through this thing called syndication. And then I realized after hanging out with a bunch of really brilliant people that were either capital raisers and or syndicators that I could probably have access to these deals across the country. So... I left my company to go launch my own fund and partnered with a fund manager. And now we do build to rent subdivisions in the Southeast. And that's kind of where I'm at today. That's a super quick version. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, but I, I get it. That's, that's really pretty cool. Get, get, get uh, linked up with someone and then uh, go ahead and start a fund. Um, now the Capital Razor show uh, is a podcast uh, about raising money. It so. is. Um, it, it, are you, do you usually use that podcast to basically pitch your products, your syndications? No, I do not. No, no. So the entire concept of the show was for me to learn 
And even today, many years later, three years later, we just celebrated the three-year anniversary of the show. I'm still learning from people, and it just gets more sophisticated, right? So, like, what are fund structures, and how do you raise from family offices, and what's the difference between raising from limited partners versus joint ventures versus co-GP versus fund-to-funds, and all these different structures, right, family offices. So, uh, we just teach people. I'm not even a teacher. I just ask people that are smarter than me, you know, like, how do you guys raise for this stuff? And, you know, they they tell me all about it. So, who's your your audience who – listens generally to your podcast so yeah it's the scaling multifamily syndicator or, or in other words not just somebody that invests with their own money but somebody that raises money for large-scale multifamily or commercial real estate properties and the whole idea is just like hey how do you guys do this like what are the best structures when does it make sense to do this versus that and you know like over time you know i've learned um how to, how to hang out with the right people and then take down different, either large scale multifamily properties, which I think a lot of people, they're just like, oh, that's not possible. Only like super rich millionaire people kind of do that. And what I've realized and probably what a lot of people that have been exposed to the space realized is that these guys that take down these 150 unit properties or five, 400 or 500 unit properties, they're just dudes that you went to high school with. They're yeah. just a little bit more sophisticated and they know a little bit of how to property manage and how to acquire properties. But what may, what they may not know is how to legally raise capital or maybe they do know that and they just need some help. And then that's kind of where I come in. So I try and give, I I try and give my two cents. Yeah. You got securities laws and all other kinds of stuff, but I'm kind of curious. How did you, um, uh, how do you promote your podcast? So we do organic podcast promotion, but a lot of it is just really posting videos. So I I do a 40 to 45 minute video clip of somebody on my show. And then I condense it down to two minutes and then post that on LinkedIn. And people are just like, Oh wow. Like that guy's talking about buying large scale multifamily. Let me get some more information. And then they tune into the show. So that's pretty much, it's very organic. Um, I do pay some pay for some paid promotion Oh. I guess so, but I don't how do anything you, crazy. How um, how many people uh, generally uh, listen to your podcast per week? Uh, per week. Or per show? About 23,000. No, about really? 20,000, I think. Yeah, I think Is we're doing 80,000 a month right now. Well, how much does it cost to do that pay uh, advertising to get it's, that? It's not that expensive. It's like 220 bucks a month. Wow. That's amazing because, you know, we just have this radio show and we just sort of let it organically, uh, uh, you know, fill in the uh, radio time uh, on the air because people actually, it's not just a podcast. It's, it's actually on the radio. So people yeah. sing in the To, in to, to be honest, I, I don't really care about the number of people that listen. It's more about just like the few people that are actual investors that I could potentially work with that I care about. Of course. And of course. Yeah. There, no, there, yeah Cause you could have a billion that, people right? listening, but you know, if, if nobody's, I that, know, right. That's so, of course. Hey, I think you get it. Right? Stay with us. We're going to cut to our first commercial break. Uh, we're talking miscellaneous trivia here. And again, just a reminder, if you know the answer, don't say anything until we get back from the break. All right. First trivia question in nautical terms, what does starboard mean? Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. 
For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, along with my special guest, Ruben Gerth from, Gerth, excuse me, uh, from the uh, podcast show, Ray, Capital Razor Show. All right. Uh, first trivia question was, in nautical terms, what does starboard mean? Ruben, you know the answer? That's the front of the ship, I believe. Actually, it's the right, right-hand side of the ship is starboard. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're close. That's you had one of four choices on that. <laughs> no, that's okay. All right. So um, w- tell us the various syndications, because uh, you're mostly involved with commercial, with uh, multifamily. You know, I know there's, you know, there's Reg D funds and there's syndications, limited partnerships, LLCs, such a... Do you, do oh, you wow. You're educated on this. Oh, my gosh. I, I, you know, I used to have my securities license back in the 80s. And uh, I've been around quite, quite, quite a bit and, uh, you know, done, done real estate uh, for 30 something years. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of familiar. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's funny because one of the things that you were mentioning um, uh, and I started, I got to remember what it was in the last segment. And I was thinking, ah, there's like one preference over another, Um, you know, with, with, well, with the, Partnerships and stuff. You're talking you about 506C versus 506C. All right, so yeah. let me break it down real quick. All right, so uh, when you're raising capital, typically you are treated like a company, like a Coca-Cola, like a stock company. And in order for you to raise capital for real estate, typically you don't want to be treated like a company. So you file for an exemption so that you are not treated like a company. And those exemptions are Regulation D 506B or 506C, which allow you to either raise capital from accredited investors only and or if you do a 506B, raise from only people that you are connected with that are so-called sophisticated investors but don't have accreditation status, right? So that's are the limited, gist of it. And then, are you limited to 35 of those unaccredited? I can't remember what the number oh, is. That okay. sounds right. Yeah, I think it's 99 or unlimited, accredited, but only so much sophisticated or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I don't really pay too much attention to that because those numbers – are usually not crossed to typically like yeah. usually it's just like 10 or 15 guys or maybe if it's a, so what we do, we only spend time in the 506 C space, which allows us to invest with accredited people that, you know, we're allowed to advertise. So, right. So I can yes. talk about it on a podcast. I can talk about this. Like I, t- I can tell you about my, you know, built to rent subdivisions that I'm doing in Louisiana without any, typical problems because like we only accept accredited investors and you know um there's these other regulations which are like what grant cardone uses which is regulation a or there's also regulation crowdfunding or regulation a plus and i don't even know what all of those things mean because i only spend time in two categories which is 506b and 506c which basically means that i create a private placement or in other words some kind of an offering for a specific purpose vehicle or a specific project. Right. And I just yeah. raise for that. And then I'm typically either done unless I create a fund, which is a whole nother 
ball game, but it's not too complicated. But that's kind of what I do, right? So I think what the main point here that I'd like to express is that a lot of people don't even realize that these private placements exist, that you as a regular dude that lives in Los Angeles or San Francisco can invest into these institutional grade multifamily projects that consist of 400 units or above, you know, because most of the time people think that only millionaires do that, but yeah. regular guys that are in the tech space can, can invest with us, you know, so they have access to this. So on your typical one, uh, how many of these uh, different uh, syndications have you put together? Six. I've okay. participated in six. So <laughs> I, I think I'm still a beginner. Okay. Well, yeah, that's fine. Uh, what's your minimum investment? Typically in my industry, the multifamily syndication industry, the the minimum is 50,000, yeah. but yeah, you can adjust that number based off the, off the operator's discretion, right? So some people, yeah. if they can, you know, accept less or tell people, hey, it's, you know, $100,000. It's, it's up to them or whatever sure. they want to do. And do you pay monthly distributions or quarterly or how do you do your distributions? So it depends on what we're investing in. If it's a multifamily, what we call value add proposition, you know, we are investing into a property that we just need to restore it and, and, uh, rehab it a little bit. And then, you know, we participate in the cash flow. but what I do typically is not that. So we spend a lot of time building and obviously dirt is not going to cash flow, but it's going to yeah. have a very big back end. It's a little bit of a different risk profile, uh -huh. but at the end when the entire subdivision is built out, then you profit in those kind of uh, larger amounts of money, but it's a little bit riskier However, it's a lot more lucrative. So, yeah, but, you know, you, you play, the, suit, play the game that you want. If you're building the suit, or do you already have it, you know, basically pre-sold? Uh, so, <laughs> I think a lot of people, when they think of building houses, they think of selling them off to retail buyers. But the reality is what we do is there's all these really large institutions and hedge funds and REITs and these uh, guys that buy our entire subdivisions once they're built and rented and stabilized. So, Let's say that, you know, on one of our projects, we build 100 houses, uh, we tenant occupy it, and then we sell the entire rented out subdivision to one particular buyer, and then we're done, right? So we don't sell them off to single, no, single I get, retail I get buyers. What, what kind of cap rates are you selling at right now? I have no idea. So it, <laughs> it's, we don't really pay attention to that. Really? Um, and even in, the multi, even in the multifamily space, you know, so here's what I can tell you, right? So we are building these things at about 160,000 per unit. So on our first project, we're building a hundred of them. So it's going to cost 16 million bucks. Okay. And we expect to sell this thing for a two X equity multiple. Or in other words, yep. we're basically going to double our investors money in about three to five years. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't really care about what the cap rate is. I think it's a little bit lower than normal. So multifamily typically sells yeah. at a, High four cap rate anywhere across the country. Well, that's that's low the thing. It's, fours, it's the buyer. High threes in I mean, California. Yeah, buyers gonna, buyers um, gonna pay attention to that because he when they when the institutions buy it, they got to build yeah, it. Yeah, they do. They, they do. So so, 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 so I get it, right? So I I understand your question and. Hey, Ruben, uh, I gotta, hey, I gotta hey, cut go to another. It. I gotta cut to a break here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's right. do it. Okay, what was the name of the play President Lincoln was watching when John Wilkes Booth shot him? 
Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. What was the name of the play President Lincoln was watching when John Wilkes Booth shot him? All right, stay with us. Best of investing. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing one more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my special guest, Ruben Graft. Uh, let's see. The second trivia question was, what was the name of the play President Lincoln was watching when John Wilkes Booth shot him? Any idea? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't know that John Wilkes Booth shot him either. <laughs> oh, okay. Conspiracy theorist. All right. Um, that's a, well, that's possible. Uh, let's see here. Uh, our American cousin. Uh, there, and there used to be this joke going around. Uh, other than that, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? You know, um, kind of a little bit of a crass joke. But uh, anyway, so Ruben, uh, you put together uh, syndications for um, multifamily, uh, but then also you have a podcast, and and so you invite different uh, what uh, operators basically to come on the show. That's what we call them, operators, sponsors, GPs. They have the same name, principal, owners. It's all the same person, right? How do you reach out to the – how do you find those guys? They come to me. I, I don't really seek them out too much anymore. Um, it's kind of frustrating, right? So I have like you know 25 episodes in queue right now, and they won't be released for like another four months. Wow. Um, and this is typically, yeah, so it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I have to like turn people away at some point. And, yeah. you know, like I only allow people that can speak about capital raising on this show. Um, so a lot of people disqualify themselves right off the bat. Wow. I guess you, gotta, you have to interview them ahead of time to find out what they're going to be talking about. No, I always talk about capital raising, you know, so everyone well, no, can't to, even come on the show. Well, no, but I guess you're talking about you said that they, they disqualify themselves. So how would you know unless you yeah. to them ahead of time? It's, so it's, it's pretty easy because, if, you know, somebody comes on and they want to talk about XYZ thing, you know, like, I don't know, let's oh, just okay. say angel investing or Bitcoin or, <laughs> yeah. you know, all, all of this, you know, residential single family fix and flip and, I don't know. Yeah. If they can't talk about raising capital and share with my audience about what it took in their own lives to raise capital for large scale commercial real estate syndications, then they, you know, they disqualify themselves. So gotcha. yeah, we, we want to teach my, that specific thing. I go to a monthly uh, real estate brokers meeting and it's for commercial only uh, one to four units. And they, they're very clear, no residential and no land. <laughs> you know, so uh, guys get up there and they pitch, you know, okay, we've got this uh, uh, Starbucks uh, triple net lease property for sale, you know, such and such. Um, but uh, okay, very interesting. Now, um, when you put your syndications together, uh, what kind of front end load is there for the investor? 
What kind of what? Front end load. So if I put a hundred grand. Front end load. Yeah. I don't, that's, that's a different language than what we're used to talking about. Okay. But you know, typically somebody invests with a $50,000 investment in yeah. our, what we call private placements. And I think, you know, like I want to mention this, you know, because I think the majority of the public doesn't understand that they have access to these institutional grade investments and not necessarily just mine, but you know, these fund managers and syndicators are not hanging out on every street corner. So <laughs> like, how do you find them? They're, they're very challenging to find at times if you don't know where to look, but if you do know where to look, then they're, you know, they grow off trees, you know, just like blonde women on in California. And you just go to go, go to a podcast that talks about multifamily, large scale multifamily real estate. And then every single person that's ever interviewed always gives their contact information at the end. Sure. So these guys are not really hard to find. But the, the thing is, is that private placements and investing into these institutional grade investments is not something that's taught in college or high school no. or typically anywhere. So the only way that you can really find out about this typically is through podcasts because people typically are not going on radio shows and talking about this particular asset class. No, that's but true. they and are readily available if you know where to look. Yeah, in the old days, what would happen is the limited partnerships were put together uh, before they had five, you know, regs, 506 CDs and all that fun stuff. So they put limited partnerships together and the GPs were charging upwards of 20% uh, to recoup their organization costs. So only 80 cents on the No, it's not really like it. that at all, right? So, no, I know it's changed. So typically the fees that a syndicator will charge is like 2% acquisition fee, possibly if they have a vertically integrated uh, construction management, they may charge for that. And they charge for a refinance fee and they charge for a disposition fee. So when they sell the property, that's when they make, they make money along the way. And you want as an investor to pay this, and you may say, "Well, why would I want to pay that?" Well, because if the if the syndicator doesn't have the ability to pay for the lights in their own organization, then they're going to be screwed. And how you know, exactly. like, why would you want to invest with somebody that's screwed, right? So yeah. you want to pay them along the way so that they can make money and stay alive while they're making you money, right? So this yeah. is one of the concepts that a lot of people are just like, "Well, why should I pay fees?" But this is why. So how, ma how many have uh, you done that have gone full cycle? Uh, let's see. So a 90 unit in Tucson plus actually that's the only one that's gone full cycle, right? Okay. And then we raised capital for a couple of other groups because we're, well, we consider ourselves a private equity shop, which means that we raise capital for other people, typically in a co-GP structure, which means that we become part owners of the syndicators or operators deals in exchange for raising capital and other ongoing duties. The other thing that we do is we sponsor our own deals in the built to rent syndication space. And we're currently building $48 million worth of, within two projects of built to rent subdivisions in Louisiana and Alabama. And we're just getting started. We're still, we still feel like we're really well, little. It sounds so. like it. Hey, hey Ruben, Ruben, stay with us. Believe it or not, uh, this goes fast. We've got another break here. All right, here's our third right. trivia question. Our last trivia question is, who won an Oscar as Best Supporting Actor in the 1993 film, The Fugitive? 
Call 888-912-1190. First caller with correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Who won an Oscar as Best Supporting Actor in the 1993 film The Fugitive? Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The Best of Investing will continue in a moment. On 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Edward Brown along with my special guest, Ruben Graff. Uh, third trivia question, who won an Oscar as Best Supporting Actor in the 1993 film The Fugitive? Did you see the movie, Ruben? I can't remember. I, so I, I'm thinking Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, but I thought that they were both main actors, so I don't know who the third uh, or supporting well, actor well, would be. Well, okay, you, you, you are correct, so take a guess. I, I can't even remember any of the other actors. In that no, no, show. no, but no, no. You're right. It is one of those actors. So who won uh, Oscar as best? Oh well, if, if it's not Harrison Ford, it's got to be Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, very good. That's right. Yeah, because because Harrison Ford was the main character as the fugitive, and then Tommy Lee Jones. Very good. All right. So listen, I, you feel, got, I feel like Tommy Lee was pretty into that show, into that well, movie he, too. But, he was, okay. but because the movie's called The Fugitive, you know, you mostly have Harrison Ford being the main guy. And the thing is, okay, you, you went one out of three, and that although that doesn't sound good, that'll get you into the Baseball Hall of Fame, hitting 333, right? I suppose, yeah, I suppose, right. You only need yeah. to hit like three out of ten in order to get into that Hall of Fame. Hey, hey Ruben, you know, before, we had forgotten to uh, let the audience know how to get a hold of you uh, if they wanted more information about uh, your podcast. Go ahead. All right. So first of first of all, if, if you're interested in being an active investor, in other words, you learning how to raise capital, then you should find me at the Capital Research Show. We don't like pitch to limited partners or whatever. We're teaching other syndicators and other active investors how to go from flipping houses to, to invest in large-scale multifamily. And there's an inc- incredibly different process for raising capital in that space than there is for small-scale multifamily or joint ventures. So that's kind of what we talk about. So I'd say go to the Capital Razor Show or if you're actually interested in Finding about our deals, you know, you can go to Legacy Acquisitions or follow me on social media at, I don't know, Ruben Grath on LinkedIn or Capital Razor, at Capital Razor on Instagram or whatever. Okay, very good. And by the way, I don't know if you know much about uh, Pacific Private Money, who's, you know, the main sponsor of the show. So we're going to do close to, if not surpassing a billion dollars this year in uh, Rock and Roll. Yeah, so we we do... Good job. uh, We... um, uh, originate mortgages and then we uh, package them and sell them to the big boys. Uh, you know, the big nice. Yeah. So we have actually uh, four different funds. One of our funds is called the freedom fund. That's the one that we package them in tranches of five to $10 million, uh, sell them to, I, I say wall street, but it's not really wall street. Um, you know, the big boys. And then uh, we get the money back, put it on the, on the conveyor belt and do it again. Uh, the best part of oh, it. Oh, hell yeah. 
Yeah, and so the way we do it is uh, a, a 506, I think it is a D fund, because again, uh, accredited investors only, and we can advertise, talk about it on the radio show and all that. The best part of it for the investor is that for putting in our minimum investment, which is 250000 uh, you get 7%. If you put in 500000 you get 8%. And if you put a million or more, you get 9%. And the best part, you, there's, no, there's no lockup. You just, even though the documents say there's a one-year hold because all the documents in this kind of uh, security have to say that, we do not charge a, uh, an early withdrawal penalty we just ask for 30 days notice. So you can treat it almost like a money market account, except you can't write checks against it. So, you know, you put your money in today, uh, two months later, you say, hey, I, I found this great property I want to buy. I want to cash this thing in. Okay, well, within 30 days, we'll cash you out. So it's a great holding tank for a lot of investors. Um, and again, you do need to be an accredited investor, which the definition is you, if you're single, you make 200,000 a year. If you're married, you make 300,000 a year, or you have a net worth exclusive of your home of a million dollars. Here's the funny thing about that uh, exclusion. If you were to pay off your house, you know, let's say your house is worth a million five and you have a million dollars sitting in the bank and you pay it off suddenly and you're left with no money, you're not accredited. But if you have a million and a half house that you owe a million, but you've got a million dollars sitting in the bank, suddenly you're an accredited investor. Isn't that weird? Talk to a tax advisor about that. Cause I, yeah. would, I would debate that a little bit. Well, no, I'm just saying the definition is exclusive of your home. And so you're, you're not allowed to consider the equity. In the oh, house. gotcha. That's the only reason. So it's kind of a weird, I mean, you don't want to really tell anybody, yeah, go ahead and borrow money. Uh, just to go ahead or, or don't pay off your house just for that. But uh, anyway, but yeah. you know, people invest with us, you know, invest uh, a lot more than uh, uh, the minimum. Um, but we have four total of four different funds. One of them is our Southwest fund. Minimum investment is only 50,000. And that one we're buying discounted notes, uh, primarily in the state of Texas. And uh, investors are getting uh, a net yield of seven and a half percent. Uh, same thing, no lock. So you guys have a debt fund, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, all of our funds are debt That's funds. That's awesome. Yeah. I love debt funds. Yeah, and when you guys are them, the ones that lend me money half of the time. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hey, one of I tell you, one of them is uh, a construction loan fund designed yeah, strictly to go right into your your field. There, of course, you you probably don't need uh, us because you can borrow money at the bank pretty cheap, can't you? Cheaply. It depends. I don't know. I think it depends on what your liquidity is and like what your yeah. uh, asset sheet looks like. Right. So like if the bigger the asset sheet is, the the better the loan product. Sure. But now, I think we, 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 we typically, right. Let me ask yeah. you something. When you do your syndications, do you use any debt or are you doing all, all cash? No. Why would we ever use all cash? So we typically <laughs> raise equity and leverage as much as we can. So, in the construction space, that could be a bridge loan. It could be a construction yeah. loan. It depends on which phase that we're doing. You know, are we entitling the land? Are we buying the land? Are we doing vertical uh, building on the land? You know, at which phase are we? You know, it's going to be a different product uh, each time. And then once we build the entire thing, then what kind of product do we have? It's typically going to be some kind of long-term debt, depending on how long we want to hold it. So. 
Um, there's a lot of, you know, different lending products, and but we, we don't get too complicated. You can go into all these different Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and, you know, bridge to long-term debt conversions and all this stuff. And, you know, we, we keep it pretty simple, right? So we just work with small banks and they typically are, I think, you know, we typically work with a company called Arbor um, and they've been pretty good to us, but, you know, sometimes it can be challenging because, Things change, supply chain, it can, it can move, right? So what's the price of lumber that can change? Oh my gosh. All of a sudden the bank is just <laughs> like, quite a lot. Hey, you know, like we need, we need more reserves than we did six months ago. So, so yeah. it's, it's very yeah. challenging, but it's a very um, unstable uh, product, you know, in terms of the lending, what, what people will give you over long terms of time. If you can, if you have a big enough balance sheet though, you're pretty much okay. And we don't, you know, I would consider ourselves small, smaller investors, even though that sounds crazy, right? So we're building $48 million for the product and, you know, we consider ourselves smaller guys, but at some point, you know, like in 18 or 24 months, we, you know, that number may be 200 million. So yeah. at that point, come, come back and talk to me. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, right now when you're doing, uh, I mean, can you get 75% loan to value on a construction uh, project? I think I, I think they call it loan to cost actually. Loan to cost. And I'm, I'm so here's something that you were talking about earlier, man. Like I want you, I want to explain very succinctly that like my okay. job. Hey, hey Ruben, my Ruben, team, uh, Ruben, Ruben, yeah. so explain that when we get back. We got a short break, and we'll be right back. Don't touch that Best of investment. Be back with some closing comments too. You're listening to the best of investing with your host Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my special guest, Ruben Graff. So, Ruben, go ahead and finish off your uh, statement. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to mention in in single family you can typically do stuff by yourself in large scale multifamily or in development of subdivisions. It's a team sport, so I don't want to be like, hey, I know cap rates, I know lending, I know uh, how to build, I know how to acquire. I I don't know any of that stuff, honestly. Like my job is to meet people and bring them on board, and then introduce them to the people that are very good at what they do and stay in my lane. So these guys are very good at acquiring property. They're very good at developing property. And these guys are two different teams. And then we got the capital acquisitions team, which is also a GP, which means that they have ongoing board of advisory duties and managing investor relations. Yeah. But like, we can't all do, we can't do every single piece of the syndication. You know, all of us, you know, every single part of it. Right. So of this is what not. makes multifamily very sexy is that, there's multiple people that do one little piece and I stay in my lane, man. So I'm not the cap rate guy. I'm not the lending guy. I'm not the, the well, key principal that provides the liquidity, right? So I just do my thing, right? Which is just meet people, which are typically capital raising partners and capital allocators and introduce them into our funds and or co-GP structures. And that's my duty. And that's all that I focus on. So gotcha. all this well, other very stuff, like if you're curious podcast. about it, I, t I turn it over to the people that know more than I do. Well, a lot of times you have to get the attorneys involved too. But um, I, find, I find I just found it very fascinating that you have this podcast that's strictly for 
raising money and it's for it's people a whole, who are it's in a the whole business. different concept, right? It so really is. The acquiring of real estate is very different than the acquiring of capital for real estate. They're almost yes. two different businesses. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, again, uh, Ruben, why don't you give out your information if uh, you have people who are looking to raise money uh, and listen to your show? Yeah, just find me at capitalraisershow.com or find me on LinkedIn if you want to hang out. All right, very good. And uh, again, for more information on Pacific Private Money, you can check them out at pacificprivatemoney.com. Four different funds. We have our our main legacy fund, which does typical hard money real estate loans. Got our Southwest fund, which buys discounted mortgages, primarily in the state of Texas, but we're expanding out out of there. Uh, We have our construction loan fund called North Star. And then we've got our freedom fund, which is almost like a money market account. Uh, Minimum investment though, again, it's 250,000. In fact, it's funny, I had one guy who wanted to put a million in to get the 9%. And after we talked and he met me in person, uh, he decided, yeah, I think this is for me. Uh, he had checked us out and he wrote a check for 3 million. And then uh, about uh, less than a week later, he said, you know what? Let me add another million to that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Go, awesome. Wow. Okay. Uh, even before he got his first check. So I, uh, I like the trust, but man, you know, I, I'd love to hear about the way that you educate and nurture your audience on this particular debt fund structure, man. Sounds pretty cool, man. Right. So and you yeah. probably take money from funds too. Because it sounds like you have multiple oh, tiers. Oh, I know. You, know, that, you know what? You seven, reminded me. Seven, eight, reminded me. So, so, Ruben, the thing is, the, one of the problems we found with an, an old fund before doing a fund to funds is you get these K-1s and it takes so long, and especially if they're in other states, that your K-1s don't come out to your investors until, if you're lucky, the middle of April. And so uh, doing a fund to funds is a uh, quite a challenge. Hey, by the way, you know what? We've got to cut out. I want you to hear, here's our thoughts for the day. If you like uh, dad jokes, these are along those lines. So why <laughs> did the pig stop sunbathing? He was baking in the sun. Wow. Ah, I like that one. <laughs> okay. And what health issue did the golfer have? An iron deficiency. All right. Tune in next week to the best of investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown. We're wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to the best of investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190 or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on 860 AM. The answer. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.